Hey, y'all, and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Lacey Dunn, registered dietitian, here to spread the scientific knowledge in the world of fitness and nutrition. I'm so excited about today's episode, so make sure you listen in and get ready to learn. and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. Today's guest is Dr. Christine Marin. She is a top-rated functional medicine physician, all about thyroid, the gut connection, talking about pregnancy, nutrition, and fertility nutrition today, and I'm so excited to have her on. I found her on Instagram, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this girl. So I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for taking your time to come on my podcast. Now, can oh, you tell my- you're amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what got you so passionate about your field? Yeah, I'd love to. So I am Christine Marin. I am a DO, so it's a doctor of osteopathic medicine, and I'm trained in functional medicine through the Institute for Functional Medicine. So I have a virtual telemedicine practice where I see consultative functional medicine patients in Colorado, Michigan, and Texas. And, you know, the reason I started practicing this way, I really always had a holistic mindset and I came to medicine really wanting to practice differently. That's part of the reason I trained in family medicine because I knew it would give me this broad overview, but it was sort of like the collision between my personal kind of health issues and my professional life that like got me to where I am today. So, and it really all started with pregnancy stuff. So When I was a resident, I was pregnant with my first and I had gestational diabetes and that was super crazy because I had like zero risk factors. And I really took a deep dive into nutrition at that point. I started checking my blood sugar four times a day. I was like determined not to go on medications for this and to manage it with nutrition. But I learned a lot about healthy foods and what that meant for me at that time in my life. For me, healthy foods was like sprouted wheat bread and a green smoothie that maybe had too much sugar in it. So I really made some adjustments there. But it wasn't until I started trying for my second, and I suffered through recurrent pregnancy loss that I really took the deep dive into functional medicine. So that was, you know, it's a hard time in my life and in my husband's life. And I knew there was like something wrong. I knew there was something going on with my body. And, you know, thyroid, gut, mold exposure, like it all sort of came together. I've done a ton of work since then. I got healthy enough to have my second. And then, you know, I was feeling really good and I, I moved and I was doing great. And then I had like a surprise third. So I always tell my patients when your health returns, so does your fertility. So be aware of that. (laughs) But yeah, it's been a journey. Wow, I can't even imagine with residency and being pregnant. I I can't even imagine residency. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Especially, I mean, at this point with COVID, like, I don't even know if you could do that. I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) It was hard enough. I'm pretty sure they would be like, you know what? You should probably stay home. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure things have changed. But it sounds like that is another reason why you're so passionate about helping women more specifically. So let's talk about eating for pregnancy. So preconception nutrition, why is it important? And what are the key critical foods and nutrients that a woman could implement in their day-to-day life in order to power up a healthy pregnancy? Yeah, it's such a good question. So it's a big deal because already so many of us are sort of taxed. Even before we get pregnant, we're sort of like at the point where 
there's not a whole lot more we can handle much of the time. And so it's like an important time to really like boost up your nutrient stores. And like I said, your fertility is going to be better the healthier you are. And so adding whole, you know, healthy foods to your diet is a big deal. So there's some specific nutrients I think that people really need to sort of focus on. The one we always talk about and most people know about is folate. And that's sort of an umbrella term, you know, people think folic acid, but as your listeners might know, I'm a big fan of methylated folate or folate that comes from nutritional sources. So that's a lot of like leafy greens and things like that. So folate's a big deal. But the less known one is choline. So choline is also a really important nutrient. And just like folate, it's important for something called methylation. And that is just an important biochemical process that happens in all your cells at a very basic kind of explanation. You need like folate and B12 to drive these cogs in a wheel and produce neurotransmitters and glutathione. But choline is also a big methylation nutrient that you need. And it's really under-recognized in pregnancy and preconception health. It has just as much literature to support decreased risk of neural tube defects, just like we do with folate. So choline's a big deal. You can get a lot of choline from egg yolk. And so I'm a big fan of pastured egg yolk for those who tolerate egg. And then organ meats. So most people don't love organ meats, but they're kind of a nutritional powerhouse when it comes to preconception nutrition, not only because of choline, but also the next thing I'm going to talk about, which is vitamin A. So Vitamin A is also a big one. It's not one you want to supplement with at high dose because it's not safe. Too much isn't safe, but too little is also a problem. So I try to get vitamin A from foods. And that's like I said, organ meats, cod liver oil, wild salmon. Those are all great sources. So vitamin A is a little bit tricky because uh, the pro-vitamin to vitamin A is actually called beta carotene. But it's not vitamin A. It's beta carotene. And many of us don't have the genes to convert beta carotene to vitamin A. And that's called BCM01. But but vitamin A is a big deal. There's other, you know, really important nutrients like antioxidants. So those are things you get from fresh fruits and vegetables mostly. And iodine is important too. Again, it's one of those where you don't want too little, but you don't want too much. And it depends on a lot of other things such as you know, if people have Hashimoto's, I really don't do iodine. But for somebody who doesn't have Hashimoto's and is otherwise healthy, I like to integrate really just tiny little doses of iodine. So seaweed is a great way to do that. Sea vegetables, seafood, as long as it's low in mercury. That brings me essential fatty acids. So it's another big powerhouse nutrient when you're trying to get pregnant. Um, There's actually some interesting studies looking at couples who eat fish are more likely to conceive. But with fish, you got to be careful, you know, doing the low mercury fish is a big deal. So that's not tuna, you know, So wild salmon, Dover sole is a good choice. Scallops are a pretty good choice. Sardines are awesome. So I think all of those are really like kind of nutritional powerhouses and some of the specific nutrients to really focus on when you're trying to conceive. I'm so glad you mentioned those. And I would also throw in vitamin D and calcium. Um, Incorrect levels because we don't want too much calcium. We don't want too much vitamin D. So making sure to work with your practitioner to find a good blend and a good prenatal vitamin, I always suggest. I know, you know, nutrition is amazing, but let's be real. The power of food, you can't get all your nutrients just from food nowadays, especially when it comes down to your needs for methylfolate. So I'm a big fan of prenatal vitamins. And I do want to ask, what are some of your favorite prenatal vitamins? Mm, that's a good question. And it's so loaded. So choline is sort of is sort of the the way that I determine if a prenatal is really what I want. Not always, but 
there's a lot of different good brands on the market. One of my favorites is called Vitamin IQ because they have the sufficient amount of choline. Well, let me just start by saying like, this is what I look for in the back of the bottle. So I want methylfolate, not folic acid. I want methylcobalamin or adenosylcobalamin, not cyanocobalamin. And that's a form of B12. I also want choline. So choline is often in like doses of 10 milligrams. You're looking for like 450 milligrams. Sometimes you can hack that by adding something called trimethylglycine. But essentially, you know, like in one of my favorites, there's I think 350 of choline and 100 of trimethylglycine or so. I don't know. Don't quote me on the trimethylglycine. But it's enough to make up for, to basically give you enough of those choline needs. The other thing I like to see is the vitamin A component as a mix of beta carotene and retinal palmitate. So that's preformed vitamin A, not just the beta carotene because of what I just mentioned with vitamin A. So those are all sort of the, the big, you know, some of the bigger ones I look for. And then, of course, like making sure that prenatal isn't full of dye and gluten and just a bunch of crappy fillers. So some of my favorites is vitamin IQ is a really good one. Iron is also a big one here. So like the thorn prenatal has a pretty high amount of iron. It's like 45 milligrams. So that could be too much for some people. Iron can be, you know, if it's too high, it could be a bad thing. And then a lot of us start out iron deficient. So it really just depends. It's one of those things where you got to work with your practitioner. Like literally yesterday, I had a patient who her iron is plenty high. She doesn't need any additional iron. So I actually chose the Seeking Health prenatal for her because it doesn't have any iron in it. So Seeking Health is a really good one. I also like Metagenics. They have a prenatal pack called Plus One, and it has extra choline. It has L-carnitine. So for women who have blood sugar issues or maybe have a prior history of a baby that's large for gestational age or had gestational diabetes, I like the Metagenics Plus One for that. I love those brands. All about those third-party tested clinician-based supplements. Huge fan. And I would also, I'm so glad you mentioned the iron because in reality, the iron, your iron needs are very much tied to what your iron is like before pregnancy, and then also how far on you are in your exact pregnancy. So when you're doing prenatal vitamins, you might want to think of a, pre, a different prenatal pre-pregnancy and then an, another when you get yeah. down the line in your trimesters. Yeah. It's nice to have labs, right? Because you have no right. idea what your iron is unless you test it. So, I mean, definitely like for women who have really heavy periods, I mean, that's like a whole other show, but you know, But that might put you at higher risk of having low iron if you have heavy periods. Also, you know, if you have gut issues and you don't absorb iron as well, that could put you at higher risk for having low iron. But there is definitely like a subset of people who don't have low iron and don't need that much. Exactly. So some of my favorite brands, I'm on the same boat for you. I love Thorn, Metagenics, Pure Encapsulations, and Seeking Health. Big fan also of... I don't know if you've heard of the the full circle one. And then I also like New Chapter. They have a, an okay prenatal multivitamin. But I would say women, I know a lot of women, they, they see gummies and they're like, oh, you know, mm. I want the gummy. I'm like, please go about the route of the capsule if you can, because yes. that's going to give you your most bang for your buck. Totally. Yeah, the gummies are not ideal because some of the nutrients just aren't stable in that form. But like, you know, like you said, with the capsule, it is a way to get a lot of nutrients. I mean, as long, you know, they don't have a lot of fillers in them when you have those capsules generally. And sometimes you can open them too, which is nice, you know, especially for women in first trimester, if they're like a little nauseous, not tolerating it well, 
it's nice to have the option to open it and like stick it in a smoothie if you need to. I tried to do that the other day with an herbal blend and I didn't even think oh. about it. Like smelt it. And I was like, oh, maybe. And then I put it in my water and went to drink it. And I was like, oh my God, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was there like valerian root in there or something? It was like, that smells like feet. So. Oh my God. It does smell like feet. It, it, the struggle is real, but yeah, I'm a big fan of valerian actually for sleep. So glad you mentioned yeah. valerian. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the top. What are your top, let's say the top three foods that women should implement into their day-to-day diet if they want to get pregnant? Ooh, okay. Pastured egg yolk. Yes. This might not be like the most tasty, but sardines, like if you like sardines or wild salmon, right? Like I'll give you a choice there. And leafy greens. That was just my brain. Okay. What's your favorite leafy green then? I'm such a fan of kale. I mean... I just am. I love kale. I love chard. I am like literally a lot of my life revolves around lemon juice and olive oil and putting that on top of kale. So I'm a kale fan. Love it. But really, whatever, right? Whatever leafy green you got is good. Right. I think my top three would be eggs, salmon. Oh, gosh, that's hard. Yeah. Eggs, salmon, and either leafy greens or berries. Yeah. Berries are great too. Totally. Lots of antioxidants. Those are a great one. And I mean, let's just have four, you know, you've got a like really nice colorful plate there. And I'm leaving liver out because I personally just like, I can't do organ meats. Like it's not, I've just never really been great at eating organ meats and I've tried. Oh yeah. No, no, thank you. What are your thoughts on the supplementation of organ meats, especially when it comes down to pregnancy? Because I know I That's have my thoughts. Question. I know. I just have my concerns with purity and I know there's one capsule out there that is an a supplement that is, it has some brain in it, which I'm not a fan of. So I would prefer if you're going to do organ, I would actually just take the organ meat and cut it into little pieces and swallow that rather than doing a processed capsule. But tell me what you think about it. Yeah, you know, I think it could potentially put you at risk for having too much vitamin A. And mm-hmm. we definitely do not want that happening. So yeah, I'm agree. I agree with you fully on purity as well. We don't know what the source is of that liver. And the bioavailability either of the nutrients in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would like to go down the route of if you want to eat the liver, eat the liver, have your levels checked throughout your pregnancy. But yeah, I'm not for the supplementation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like if you can do a prenatal that has preformed vitamin A in it, I think that's probably, you know, that's enough. Like don't add additional vitamin A because it can be unsafe. Right. So the vitamin A we want for the rapid cell proliferation and the fetal brain development, but too much causes those cranial facial malformations and abnormalities. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants a baby to come out with issues. So be careful. Mm All righty. So we talked about nutrition. Um, Let's dive into something that a lot of women don't even think about. And that's environmental toxins and how they can impact both your fertility and your baby's future health, because this is something a lot of women do not know. I know. It's such a big deal and such an important point. I mean, even like the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, there's a quote from them talking about patient exposure to toxic environmental chemicals is ubiquitous because it's really everywhere. And preconception and prenatal exposure to toxic environmental agents have a profound and lasting effect on reproductive health across the life course. 
it's pretty wild and, and like they said, ubiquitous. So that means like we all get exposed to stuff every day. So we just have to do our best to limit it. We can't make it perfect, but we've got to limit it. And so like kind of going for some of the big ones, it's like organic foods. I, mean, I always choose organic, especially for somebody who's pregnant or has young kids at home. Pesticides also for your lawn, you know, really trying like I would not spray your home or lawn or garden with pesticides. Ideally, like simple things you can do are literally like not wearing your shoes inside because that's when you track in a lot of pesticides and chemicals from the outside world. Other really simple things are things like opening your windows and improving your ventilation. So one of the big deals is air quality in the home. Air quality in the home is usually worse than it is outside of the home. That depends on where you are. And, you know, if you live on a golf course and they're spraying pesticides, that's a different story. But for most of us, our air quality inside is worse than our air quality outside. And so really opening your windows to improve natural ventilation are the way that we build homes now. You know, we build them so tight. So there's like no natural ventilation. The other really easy, like totally free thing to do is to use the exhaust fans in your bathroom and also in your kitchen. So when you cook, you have to use that vent hood over your stove because you make there's a lot of toxins that come out when you cook, especially if you're cooking on a gas stove. And then in your shower, like when you have that steamy vapor, you know, it's best to suck it out of the room so you don't have a humidity issue inside. So all those are like literally free, easy things to do in your house. Other big ones like plastic is huge. So a lot of people have switched from, you know, a regular plastic to like a BPA free plastic. But even though it's BPA free, it still has BPS, you know, and that's just as bad. So just trying to eliminate plastic, go for glass. Cheap way to do that is literally like mason jars are so inexpensive and, and super versatile. We, my kids all drink out of a mason jar actually because they don't break that well or that easily. But I also use them for storing food and I use them for making salad dressings and all sorts of stuff. So mason jars are awesome. So just really switching out like the stuff you cook with too. So if you're cooking with like plastic spatulas switching that out for stainless steel or for silicone. And then same with like your pots and pans, like trying to get rid of the Teflon and and not heating food in plastics and stuff like that. So swapping that out, one of my favorites is cast iron, which is also cheap. So it's, you know, kind of a win-win. Other big ones, fragrance. So I really try to avoid all, all the stuff with fragrance. So any of the scented candles or scented cleaning products or scented laundry stuff or air fresheners or whatever, and just going with fragrance free, or even, you know, using essential oils if you really want something. And then water, filtered water, like clean water is a big deal. All this stuff, I mean, here, I'm based in Boulder. And you know, if you look at our water test, we've got too much testosterone in our water, as well as a bunch of other chemicals. So I tell my patients, like, the city takes our water and disinfects it to get out the E. coli, which is important, but they send it back to us with a bunch of chemicals in it. And so we have to filter those chemicals out and drink pure water. So, you know, I have a Berkey at my house that used to have a reverse osmosis. I have a whole house water filter on my main water line. But even, you know, if you don't have the luxury of doing all that stuff, even like just using like a countertop filter is like better than nothing, you know? Exactly. I would rather somebody use a Brita, even if it's not best. I would rather them use a Brita than use nothing. Exactly. Yep. And I'm glad you mentioned the water because I know some people are like, oh, you know, we're in the United States, our water's safe. 
Mm-mm. If you look at water testing in your area, you can get a better feel for what it may be like. I kid you not, Houston, we are we have chromium 66 in our water. Yeah. Um, so definitely I do not want to be ingesting that a lot. And then mm-hmm. a lot of places, fluoride is added in our water. And yeah, fluoride might not be bad in small amounts, but fluoride is a halogen that yes. can displace iodine and lead to hypothyroidism. So yep. you definitely don't want to go down so that route. On it. Yeah. And when we talk about like how these things impact fertility, I mean, many of them are known endocrine disruptors. Your endocrine system is that hormone system. And so like, why do so many women struggle with hormone problems? Like, why do you think we have an environment full of chemicals and we know that they are endocrine disruptors? So that's sort of one piece. But then, like you mentioned with the thyroid, I think your, you know, your thyroid's like a magnet for all these environmental toxins. And so putting fluoride in our water, I think is kind of insane. If you look at the backstory on fluoride, it is literally like an industrial waste product that we are sticking in the water. There is good data to support topical fluoride for our teeth, but not ingesting fluoride, right? So like, I don't personally use a toothpaste with fluoride. I use hydroxyapatite. That's a whole other story. But but yeah, I don't recommend ingesting fluoride. I think if you can filter that out, that's ideal because fluoride, like chlorine and bromine, will displace iodine from your thyroid and, like you said, cause thyroid issues, which all that stuff is super important for fertility and healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I would also like to say, you know, be careful, too, when it comes down to fire retardants. And there are a lot – and it's, it's scary, honestly. You know, there are a lot of different mattresses. There are rugs. There, there's furniture. That has a lot of fire retardants that can also cause endocrine disrupting. So I would just be careful. I don't say you have to like throw away all your products, but if you get a new product that may have, you know, the fire retardants, it's going to off gas. So so if you get a brand new mattress, you might want to set the mattress outside or put it in a room that you're not always in and let it off gas, like release all those chemicals and have a good air filter, of course. Because you don't want to be sleeping and just ingesting that on a day-to-day basis if it's coming off in rapid amounts. Yes. And I think, too, it's like put, you know, invest in the stuff where you spend the most time, you know? So that's a mattress, right? Like you spend half of your life in bed. Maybe not quite half, but like, you know, we're in bed a lot. Like that's where we sleep. So I think investing in a good organic mattress is a big deal. And there's luckily, there's a lot of options now that aren't like crazy expensive. You know, there's a lot of new options coming out. So that's awesome. And I think too, like the one deal breaker we didn't talk about, and for people in Houston, this is a big deal is mold. You know, if you have mold in your home, it's like that is a deal breaker. So for women who have recurrent pregnancy loss or infertility and like weird stuff coming up and like nerve stuff and you know, people who live in a moldy home, it's like you can eat all the organic food in the world. It's not going to help. So if you have like water damage or any issues like that in the home, I think those are those are big ones to address and not a DIY kind of thing. Like you need a really highly qualified mold inspector who appreciates the health effects of mold. Exactly. Um, High quality. One that's not yeah. going to charge you $500 and be like, eh, hey, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I was just telling my interns last week about mold and I was telling them, you know, sometimes you will have a patient or a client, and you've done everything. You've gone through the GI test, you've gone through the Dutch, and they're not getting better. And I told them, you know, most of the time when it comes down to it, and they're not getting better, look at mold. Because I kid you not, it is extremely common to be hidden up in the air vents, 
under mm-hmm. sinks, mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily think that it's there, right? There might be a little bit of wood peeling, or there might be a little bit of, of a musty smell, and it's not even always caught when you're doing like the the easy do-it-yourself mold tests. So you have to oh, yeah. be very, very careful who you trust. Yeah, totally. You're so right. Yeah. And it's that it's like the person who's doing everything, you know, she's doing everything right. She's eating all the right food. She's buying all organic. She's got the organic mattress. She doesn't use fragrance. It's like all those things. And she's still struggling with her health. That's when it's like, you got to look at mold. Yeah. And it's not always mold. Right. But like, that's, it's pretty dang common. And it is, it can really rob you of your health. It sure can. It sure can. Okay. So some other ways to kind of like change up the endocrine disruptors. I would say stick to the glass, the porcelain, the stainless steel instead of going the BPA-free route. Just like you said, we don't know the safety of the BPA-free plastics. Never in microwave plastics, you guys. Try and go for, if you can, if you go for electronic receipts versus paper receipts because that Mm -hmm. transdermal or inhalation of the BPA is an issue. And then you discuss like swapping, swapping different products. So going to the cleaner, the safer skincare, shampoos, and whatever you're washing your laundry detergent or, you know, spraying, cleaning your house with. I'm a big fan of Branch Basics and BioClean. Me too, girl. Oh, good. Yay. They, they converted me. They were like, do you want us to send, send you a sample? And I was like, sure. And I got it. And I was like, you know what? This is like, Five billion times better than seventh generation. I know. I agree with you. And yes, I'm a big fan. I, I, somebody helps me clean my house and she was like, this stuff works a lot better. Just FYI. I'm like, oh, good. Okay. Well, <laughs> stick with it. And I use it for everything. I always laugh because I'm like, I clean down my countertops with it, but then I also like use it as a fruit and vegetable wash. Oh, I haven't even thought about doing that. Yeah. That's genius. You can use the, the green one, the all-purpose one to like wash your fruits. Oh, and that's so much better than using vinegar because I, yeah. I swear I use vinegar for everything and it's so, so potent. Yeah, it is. It's kind of stinky. I like to put some of the like citrus-based essential oils in mine too. So it smells really nice. Love it. Okay, so we talked about environmental toxins. Now let's talk about a very, very important topic here and that is stress and stress mm-hmm. impacts on fertility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, stress is such a big deal. So, I mean, this kind of refers to your HPA axis and that's your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So it's really HPA TG, which is hypothalamus pituitary adrenal thyroid gonads or ovaries. Your hypothalamus and your pituitary are in your brain. And so really all this stuff starts up in your brain and sends signals to your other organs and to your endocrine system. And your HPA axis, for some people more than others, is highly impacted by stress. And, you know, I don't know exactly what it is. Like, most people know that they are just really sensitive to stress when they, when they are, you know, if they're that person, they, they usually have figured that out, you know. But, yeah, the HPA axis is a big deal. And if, you know, if your body is in, like, this fight-or-flight mode all the time and your, like, parasympathetic nervous system is kind of shut down and you're in this sympathetic dominant state, you're not in a right place to get pregnant. Like, just think about it from an evolutionary perspective. Like, why would you get pregnant if, if your body's like, thinks it's running from a lion? You know, it's just not the right time. And so really, like, reigning in that stress and figuring out what it is, whether it's, like, mind-body stuff or prayer or exercise or maybe all those things is a big deal. I think one of my good friends sort of said it best when it comes to fertility and when it comes to 
sort of your plans for a family. Like we all have these plans and sometimes I work with clients and they come see me right before they're getting pregnant. And it's like, we've got a lot of work to do, but they're like, no, I want to get pregnant right now. Like I don't have three months. I don't have six months. So anyways, it's, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress that people create around that timeline. And I think what's important is just like surrendering and just sort of like, just, just kind of surrender. And, and, you know, if, if you're, a person of faith, just like put it up. It's God's plan and just surrender that and do all the other stuff that you can. But I think having that timeline and having, you just have to realize, right? Like everything, things are not on our plan. COVID's a great example of that, right? <laughs> like this was not anybody's plan. 2020 was not anybody's plan. <laughs> 2020, girl. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Big fan of Jesus here, Jesus lover. Uh, so I say, Give it to God, give up the stress, give up the anxiety, and it's not something easy to do. But you know, if it's not in your control and you're worrying about it, what's that going to do for you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. big fan of that. And we know the the stress, the cortisol, the adrenal, the thyroid, the hormone connection. My listeners know that I've talked all about that in my previous episodes. So if you guys have any questions about cortisol, about hormones, you guys know I am. OCD and have covered that in full depth though. So hit those podcasts up. But I like to say, you know, sometimes when it comes down to it, the reason you, it's so hard. I hate saying it, but the reason you aren't getting pregnant is because you are stressing about getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let it happen on God's timing. Focus on what is in your control. You know, there are some things like food, like diet, like meditation and taking care of yourself. And of course, if you're following fertility awareness method, trying to get frisky on those ovulation days. But all in all, just you have to focus on what is not necessarily in your direct control. Mm -hmm. You have to focus on what is in your direct control, not what's not. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, And I wanted to ask you because a lot of practitioners and clinicians, they don't do this and they just focus on baby. And I wanted to ask you, what are your top key tips post-pregnancy for Mm. revamping the nutrient supply of mommy? Because a lot of clinicians and even dietitians, they focus on, oh, what's good for baby? Or what does baby need post? And they forget about mommy and you need to replete mommy in order for mommy to have her best health. Totally. It's such a good point. And moms are, I mean, this is a big passion of mine because I feel like just as a mom of three, like moms are really forgotten about postpartum and it's sort of like, you know, you deliver a baby and it's, and it's in our modern world, especially now with COVID, it's like people have less support. They have less people around them. Um, so it's a big deal, like from all facets, just getting support from your, from your family, from your friends, from your um, partner and taking all the help you can get safely and then really just trying to nourish your, your cells with really good food. And so it's a hard time if you're breastfeeding, especially like, and especially if you're a new mom, like I remember this so well with my first, the whole day would go by and I'm like, it's nine o'clock at night. I'm still in pajamas. I didn't take my shower yet. I'm still trying to breastfeed. And my husband's literally like sticking food in my mouth because I've got both hands on a baby and my boobs. I'm like just trying to figure it all out, you know? So it's hard. It's hard when you're a new mom. So that's where I really like, I love the Ayurvedic approach to postpartum in those initial, like in that initial time, it's like your body needs these really warm, nourishing foods. So lots of like in Ayurveda, they preach a lot of like nut milk and cinnamon and cloves and nutmeg and those sort of warming spices. 
Um, so I love that. They also use a lot of kanji, which is actually like a race based. Um, but for, you know, for postpartum women, it's like, how do you get really nutrient dense foods? And so I love soups. I love smoothies, um, because you know, one, they're easy and two, they're, they're a little bit more digestible sometimes, but they can also be really nutrient dense. Um, and it's a lot of the same nutrients that you need to get pregnant that you need to heal. I would add lots of things with collagen. So maybe that's just like vital proteins, collagen peptides, or maybe it's meat that's stewed on the bone, you know, however you want to do it. Collagen is a big one for healing vitamin C too. And lots of those antioxidants are going to come into play. Um, and then, you know, as a breastfeeding mama, um, you've got really high nutrient needs and actually your caloric needs are higher when you're breastfeeding than they are when you're pregnant. Um, so making sure you're getting enough food and you're taking time to really nourish yourself. And like everybody says, when baby sleeps, you should sleep. It's really hard to do when you're a new mom. Cause you're like, I have to do the laundry again. Um, but it's true. Like just really trying to, to sleep because when we talk about cortisol and adrenals, it's also a really hard time on your adrenals because it's hard to sleep and your sleep patterns all messed up when you're taking care of a new baby. That's just kind of part of it. So that's when I add adrenal support too. <laughs> Love it. I'm a big fan of ashwagandha, literally yeah. my favorite adaptogen. Yeah, me too. So I would, I like to say, you know, make sure you're working with a clinician or a dietitian when you're coming off of having a baby because a lot of women, you know, they've been on birth control before they got pregnant and they already have depletion of nutrients and right. then they're more at risk for postpartum depression. And then if you're not getting adequate nutrients, um, mm -hmm. zinc, B12, folate, vitamin D, then you're more at risk for postpartum depression. So just like to say as much as you can, make sure you're working with somebody that can help you out. Yes. I think like those postpartum labs are really sort of forgotten about too. I like all my postpartum ladies to get their labs drawn at like six weeks check your iron levels, check your, sometimes I'll do, you know, B12 and folate, omega-3 index. Like there's all sorts of nutrients you can check at Quest or LabCorp. Um, and they're a great guide. I mean, if you had a traumatic birth also or surgery, you know, cause you had a C-section, like that can be a big deal. So there's a lot you need there, but the other really big one is thyroid, like thyroid stuff and autoimmunity comes up a lot postpartum for women. And I find that often, you know, people like postpartum women are sort of forgotten about, like I said, and it's like, you know, you're a new mom, you're tired, this is normal, but it's not always normal, you know, so just work with somebody who understands that and can and can check your labs and make sure you're, you know, advocate for yourself. Right. And somebody who's going to check a full thyroid panel, TSH, free for T4, sure. free T3, TPO, TG, antibiotics. TGAB antibodies because when it comes down to it you know when you have an autoimmune disease you can have hyperthyroidism quote-unquote you can have thyroid toxicosis and then go into hypo and I kid you not I've seen that women that will have their labs checked and like just a TSH and it's low and their doctor's like you know what you're hyper so let's do this and then in reality it's just a thyroid toxicosis scenario and then they're going into hypo and shooting themselves in the foot and not getting the care they need so it just frustrates yeah. me yeah the postpartum thyroiditis is real um and it's one that i think is kind of under recognized because nobody's checking labs right? right so and you know and maybe it's even a somebody who's struggling and like their friends or their community is like you know it's normal it's hard to be postpartum but like get your labs checked if you're not feeling right and things are just not making sense. Like labs are a big help there, you know, and they're not, 
they're not actually all that expensive sometimes. I mean, it, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, but, um, but yeah, get your labs checked because like I've worked with a, a lot of women who, who have postpartum thyroiditis and it's like, sometimes I don't even, we, it's something we look at in retrospect because, you know, somebody's like tells me about their postpartum time frame and how it was a big challenge. And so we'll go kind of look at their labs and say like, oh, well, I think this is postpartum thyroiditis. Or maybe it's the new onset of Hashimoto's, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a hard one to really figure out, but it's, it's the one you need a doctor to, to, or a practitioner to really like kind of walk you through. So I have one more question for you and we kind of like already cover the prenatal aspect of supplementation, but what are your top supplement recommendations when it comes down to pre-pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it depends on the person. If definitely like CoQ10 is a big one, especially for someone who is trying to conceive and maybe a little bit, you know, older on the older time frame. Like I would say 35 and over, but probably even in your 30s, I would be on a higher dose of CoQ10. And so I like 300 to 600 milligrams of CoQ10. So that's a big one. Um, choline, like we talked about, is a big one. And then when it comes to fertility. Um, I have some favorites besides CoQ10. Um, that line I talked about earlier, Vitamin IQ, they have one called Conceive. And it has a little bit of CoQ10 in there. Also has L-arginine, so that can theoretically help blood flow to the pelvic organs and improve uh, fertility that way. Um, what other big ones are there? What am I missing? I mean, obviously folate, like we know with neural tube defects and methylation, some of the Bs are really important. B2 is also a big deal. This is a place where I really like to check a homocysteine level. Um, homocysteine can be like a functional marker for methylation for some people. Um, so that's a big one as well. Um, and it depends too. Like if somebody has problems with hormones, you know, some of my favorites are Chase Tree or, or Vitex for that, which supports healthy progesterone levels. You've got to have healthy progesterone levels to maintain pregnancy. Um, so chaste is one I use a lot. Um, you know, if somebody has PCOS or problems with blood sugar, then there's other kind of supplements I use for that. And, you know, myelinositol is one of those. Um, so I think it really depends on the person. Um, I'm also a big fan of magnesium. You know, I use lots of magnesium. Um, what else? What am I missing? That's a pretty good overview. I like to say an omega-3 fatty acid always, yes. but very, very good job. Very thorough. Um, when it comes down to, oh my gosh, Vitex and Myonositol, I call them like the combined, the combined queens of pregnancy because I swear they can be very helpful for many people, especially mm -hmm. if somebody has a history of estrogen dominance or maybe yes. PCOS and high testosterone, they can be very powerful to help. Yeah, totally. And they're pretty safe. Like if somebody gets pregnant, um, I would even say that it's totally okay to stay on top of taking myonositol throughout pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure and an honor to have you on my podcast. Oh, you're amazing. I love your page. And one day I'm going to have muscles like you, girl. <laughs> well, thank you. If you adopt cats and dogs, apparently that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, my three, my three kids don't help. Oh like my that. goodness. I give props to all parents. I cannot imagine. I feel like my fur babies are enough. So I'm yeah. like, I can't imagine having like children that actually talked. I know, right? Especially in the time of COVID. It is a hard time because I'm like, what's going to happen in the fall? Like really, what's going to happen? 
Sending major prayers and sending prayers for all the teachers that might have to deal with masks being shot across the room. I know. Well, or just having to teach on Zoom. I feel for them. My sister, my sister is a Zoom teacher. And honestly, I think she's doing just fine. She cracks me up. I kid you not. She took a photo of herself kind of like acting like she was listening and she will use it as a background while she, or she claims she does. She will use it as a background when she wants to look like she's listening, but wants to go and quickly go do something. That's awesome. I'm like, you're amazing. You're amazing. Yes, seriously. I could not be a teacher. So thank you, teachers. Right. Same. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you and follow you, follow you and reach you if they need, if they want to work with you? Yeah, for sure. So my website is drchristinemarin.com. It's M-A-R-E-N. And you will find me on Instagram at the same handle, drchristinemarin. That's where I'm there a lot. Um, and Facebook, same thing. So I am based in Colorado, but I do lots of work with patients in Colorado, Michigan, and Texas because I'm licensed in all three of those states. Holla. Love it. Well, you guys, make sure you go follow her because she posts a lot of nitty-gritty wisdom tips for you guys. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast again. And I hope you guys, if you enjoyed it, please make sure you subscribe. Make sure you review, review this podcast because the more reviews, the more we can reach other people. Awesome. Thanks for having me.